and uh, read Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, we'll read verses 9 through 17 together tonight. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 17. Verse 9 says, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might work, walk, walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering, with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered unto us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creation. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, you are holy. Father, all the languages in all the world, with all the words that we have, cannot describe how great you are. And yet, Father, we as a body get to gather this evening to worship you, to glorify you, to lift your name higher. So, Father, tonight I pray that that is exactly what we would do. Father, as we've seen in the singing and in the choir that have glorified you in song, we now come before you and we glorify you through your word. Father, we thank you. You are good. And we love you in your name. Amen. Go ahead and Grab a seat. It's good to see you all tonight. Thank you, Andrew, for preaching this morning. I said to Andrew, I went home and I was re-looking at, at this message tonight and I had to stop myself from going and trying to add extra stuff in that I picked up from, from Andrew's sermon this morning. So thank you, Andrew. I think it's harder to do the evening service than it is the morning service because there's so many things that happen throughout the day that you just keep wanting to, to add in. I'm glad to be here tonight. About 12 years ago, Sarah and I felt that the Lord was leading us out of the military, and some of you were here at that time, and you may remember that, that transitional period that we were going through. We felt the Lord was leading us out of the military and into a ministry-based role. We weren't sure at the time exactly what that looked like, but we were confident. We'd been praying about this, and we had peace about the fact that God wanted us to move into a ministry role. We'd had some conversations with, with people in ministry, and we were more and more confident the more time moved on that that is where we were to be headed. In 2011, I deployed to Afghanistan for the third and last time, and while I was there, I put in my discharge, but I continued to maintain contact with people back here and continued to, to talk about the direction where we were headed, continued to pray about that, Sarah, and I continued to plan for that. 
When I returned from Afghanistan in September of 2012, my discharge paperwork had almost been completed, and it was really just a process of finishing that out, and I was done. We came back, and about two weeks after we got back, the first couple of things happened. First of all, Brother Michael Devadarson, who's not here tonight, Brother Michael Devadarson called me up and he said, hey, bro, I know that you are looking at leaving the military. I know that you are looking at, at heading towards ministry. And hey, I, I just want to give you an opportunity. I'd like to introduce you to my CEO if, if that's something that you're interested in. And at the time I said, look, Michael, thank you for the offer. I really appreciate that. Uh, it's daunting leaving the military, especially when you've got no experience anywhere else. But I really feel God's leading us into ministry, and I don't want to be distracted by something else. So I said, thank you very much, and, and again, I appreciate the offer. I went to a meeting with, uh, to, to discuss what we were going to be doing. And at that stage, our hearts were that we would serve within this church, within the context of this church. And so I went to this meeting, I sat down at this breakfast, and, and we'd already started the wheels moving. We were already, our hearts were already moving towards that ministry. I sat down at the breakfast, and within probably five or ten minutes, all of that crashed. I went from being confident of what God was doing and where he was leading us. I went from being confident of, of understanding God's will for our life at that point in time to suddenly being completely uncomfortable, completely unsure of what it was that God was going to do with us. The doors had closed. I went home, I got, sat down with Sarah and she said, oh, how did it go? And I said, I don't know. The doors just closed on what we had been planning for for the last 12 months. We sat down and we prayed and we kept praying for the next couple of days. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, well, well, God had led us to that point, but maybe I was misreading what God was saying. Maybe it was, I, was, I was going the wrong direction. Maybe, maybe I need to just get back into the military. I know the military. That's a safe space for me. Maybe I should just get back into the military, and then we can try and figure this out again. A couple days later, Michael David Austin called me again, and he said, hey, bro, I've really been praying about this. I know that you don't know business, and I know that you want to go into ministry, and, and I know that, that you don't want to get distracted, but, but I've been praying about this, and I really think that you need to come and meet my CEO. I was at the desperation point. So I was like, yep, I'll do it. When can, I, when can I go and meet him? That in and of itself was a long story. But long story short, over the next few months, God opened the door for us to go to P&G with business. And the business was the vehicle that enabled us to be part of ministry there. And so for the past 10 years, up until Christmas, we were heavily involved in ministry in Papua New Guinea because of what God did through Michael. This evening I want to talk to you about understanding God's will. And maybe we can title it God's Will, God's Way tonight. 
I've had the opportunity over the years to spend time talking to a lot of other believers. A lot of them have been young people. I've worked with youth for a fair while, so I've had to talk to a lot of youth. But one of the questions that I like to ask is, so what's God doing with your life? Where is God taking you next? One of the most common statements that I get back when I ask that question is, well, I'm not sure, I'm not really sure what God's doing, I'm just waiting. I'm just, just waiting for something to happen, for Him to make it clear for me. And for those people that may be a little bit more uh, protective or a little bit more guarded, they say, well, I've been praying about this for some time now, and uh, God hasn't given us clear answers. In other words... I'm, I'm just sitting here, and I'm waiting, and I'm not doing anything proactively. I'm just sitting here waiting. Often this gives me the opportunity to talk about my testimony and the, and the things that God's done in my life, and it leads to another question. How am I supposed to know what God wants me to do? How am I supposed to know what the will of God is for my life? And I have to be honest with you, that's a question that I've asked myself many times. In fact, that's a question that I asked myself many times within the last six months as we moved from PNG back to Australia. Am I doing what God wants me to do? Is my life pleasing to God or am I just satisfying myself? What does God want me to do next? This evening, I want to encourage you and perhaps give you some tools to help you get out of the rut, to help you to maybe understand what I should do next and how I can understand what God wants me to do. There's an old question, and you would have all heard of this before. There's an old question that was asked by philosophers and scholars probably back when Phil was born, but a long, long time ago. And the question was, what is the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? Do you remember that from back when you were young? Yeah, probably. What's that? <laughs> the 47th question. In short, why are we here? And for an unbeliever, that question opens up sort of this Pandora's box. But for us as believers, it should cause us to step back and think. Why are we here? Why did God create you? I think if we're going to ask the question, what is God's will for my life, the first place that we need to go back to is what was God's purpose in creating us. Why did God make us? Let's look at some scripture and see if we can find an answer here. Isaiah 43, verse 7. Isaiah 43, verse 7, it says, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. God created us for His glory. 
Isaiah 47 is pretty clear there. Have a look at, I'm going to move a lot here, so you're going to be flicking around a lot. Have a look at Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Psalm 100, 1 through 5, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people. The sheep of His pastor. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise. Be ye thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth for all generations. God created you to glorify Him. It's as simple as that. God created you to glorify Him. Samuel 12, 24 says, Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. Glorify God. Here's another couple verses that you'll recognize straight away. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto man. 1 Corinthians 6.20, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God. All, Corinthians 10.31, Whether ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. God created you for His own glory. He created you to display His glory. So if we're going to understand God's will, we first need to understand why did God create us. If I understand that God created me to glorify Him first and foremost, then it changes my perspective of God's will for my life. Because whatever it is that His will is for my life is going to be glorifying to Him. Let me encourage you this evening with some practical ways to think and some actions to to take that may help you to define what it is that God wants you to do. The first thing I want you to recognize tonight is if you want to understand the will of God, if you life, you have to be close to God. If you want to understand God's will for your life, you have to be close to God. Now, you might say to me, that's a captain's state, the obvious kind of a statement. And while we think of it as a captain's state, the obvious sort of a statement, that's not what we do. Often, this is where we get off track. We know from Scripture that God has a plan for us. Jeremiah tells us, for I know the thoughts that I have for you. I know the plans that I have for you. But for many believers, we hear that. We understand broadly what it means. But our first response is not to draw close to God. It is to try and figure it out for ourselves. And I'm absolutely guilty of that. When, when things start to go sideways or when there starts to become questions in my life, I want to rein it in. I want to pull it close. I want to do everything I can to figure out the solution. Because I want control. Listen to what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. You'll know this. Trust in the Lord with, what's it say? All thine heart. 
and lean not unto thine own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. My natural tendency is to lean on my own understanding. I want to be able to trust my heart, but I can't trust my heart. And I know that my understanding is so much smaller than what God is. The start point for anything related to our spiritual development, for anything related to our spiritual growth and to understanding God's will for us is our walk with God. It's our relationship with God. If I want to know God's will, I need to first draw close to God. I need to be consistent in my relationship with God. And for me personally, that's a struggle because I want to control it myself. Yes, I want to know what God's will is, but I want to have a say in that. So, so our second point this morning or this evening, if you want to understand God's will for your life, you need to surrender your will to God. I need to draw close to God but I also need to surrender my will to God. Often when we're seeking God's will in something, what we really want is for God to agree with us. I want God to endorse my plan. Now I need you to bless what I'm doing. And we may even do it in the context of the church or in the context of ministry, but we pull it back to ourselves and we ask God to endorse it. While we say that we're seeking God's will, the reality is we just want God to approve our desires. We want God to fulfill our dreams. And yes, while we sprinkle a little bit of Christianese over the top of it, and maybe we say, look what God has done, the reality is a lot of the time where my heart goes, where our hearts go, is I want God to fulfill my will. Sometimes we tend to try and bargain with God. Maybe even if I'm a little bit harsh, we try and manipulate God. We say, God, if you will help my car to, to have enough fuel to get through the week, God, if you will help me pass this exam, God, if you will bless my business and grow it, God, if you will help me, I'll glorify you. God, if you would only do, I'll pray more. I'll be more consistent at church. Understand this, before God is going to reveal his will in you, you need to surrender your desires, your dreams, your aspirations to him. even if at this point you don't fully understand where he's going to lead you. Listen to what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says again. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We need to be 100% committed. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understandings in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We think of that word reasonable perhaps a little bit out of context or with what it's meant here. When I think of reasonable, uh, let me give you an example. When I think of reasonable, I think of maybe I'm purchasing something. Let's say I'm going to buy a car and I weigh up all the odds. I have a look at all the features of this car. I have a look at the various prices, the various models, all the different things. I talk to car dealers. I talk to, to whoever it is that I'm talking to. And then I find the car that matches what I need. And I look at the price range and I go, right, that one's reasonable. It's sort of in the middle. I don't feel like I got completely ripped off, but I got some of what I wanted. That's reasonable purchase. But that's not what he's talking about here. The word reasonable in this context is logical, sensible. To reason with someone is to persuade someone to act or to behave in a wise manner. A logical manner, a sensible manner. So think back on that verse, which is your reasonable service, your logical service, your sensible service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Maybe we can put it this way. If I'm going to prove, if I'm going to determine the acceptable and perfect will of God, the God who loves me, the God who died for me, the God who, in whom I have righteousness, the God who has adopted me as a child, the only sensible, the only logical thing for me to do as a believer, for you to do this evening as you wrestle is to present my life to Him, to surrender my dreams, my desires, my aspirations to Him. That's the only logical, that's the only sensible thing that we as believers can do. If you want to understand the will of God for your life, you must be willing to get close to God, but you must also be willing to surrender your will to Him. Let's look at our third one. If you want to understand God's will in your life, obey what you already know to be God's will. Pastor talked about this a couple weeks ago. Obey what you already know to be God's will. I think we're all guilty of sometimes having that, let's call it that pocket sin. It's that little sin that we have that we can't quite get rid of, that we don't deal with and we hide it away and, and it's, maybe it's a secret sin, maybe it's just something that we've struggled with all our lives, but we know that we need to deal with that sin. The Bible is clear that I need to deal with that sin and yet I'm unwilling to deal with it and if I'm unwilling to deal with it, how can God work with me? The thing with sin is if I have sin, and no matter how small that sin is, it always opens the door for other sins. 
So why would I as a believer who desires for God's will to be shown out in my life, who desires to surrender myself to God, why would I hold on to that? Particularly when I know that it's going to impact me in the future. If you want to understand God's will for your life, obey what you already know to be God's will. Deal with sin. Don't let it sit in your life. I think that most Christians want to know God's will for their lives. But we also overlook the fact that most of God's will for our lives is already spelled out for us in His Word. We want some sort of a lightning bolt moment. But most of what God wants us to do is already here. Have a look at a couple of verses with me. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world. As believers, we're meant to look differently. How I dress, how I act, how I relate to you is meant to be driven by God working through me. How I treat you is meant to be driven by the Holy Spirit working in me. We're meant to be different as believers. We're meant to have our mind continually renewed by the Word of God. But how many of us get up each morning and open our Bibles? How many of us get up each morning and spend time in prayer? How can the Word of God renew us? How can the Word of God work on us? How can the Word of God impact me to impact you if I'm not willing to get up and spend time in God's Word? Have a look at 1 Thessalonians 5.16. And this one's perhaps one of those ones where we go, well, Phil, I don't think this applies to me. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, sorry, not 16. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. And maybe you would say to me, Phil, you just don't understand my circumstances. Phil, if you think that I can give thanks for what I'm going through right now, you don't understand what I'm going through. And you're right, I don't. But God does. God does. And there's nothing that God allows to come into our lives that isn't for our good and ultimately for His glory. As I go to God and I say, God, I don't understand. And God, this hurts. But God, I trust you. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. God, I trust you because I know that You're working in me to mold me and to shape me and develop me into a more Christ-like person. God, I trust you. And allow God to use that and allow God to be glorified out of it. Hebrews 13, 20 through 21 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect 
in every good work to do his will. It is God that makes you perfect to do his will. I like to think that I bring some skills to the table. I like to think that, hey, maybe 14 years in the military, God, look what I've got. Look at, look at these medals. Look at all this stuff I've got. God, surely there is an awesome thing for me that, that you can use that stuff with. But it's not what I bring to the table. Yeah, God can use that. But it's the work that God does in me to shape my heart that he uses. How does God make you perfect? He makes you perfect by putting you through the fire. It makes you perfect by allowing trials and tests into your life. If we're not willing to follow the instructions that he's already provided for us, how can we expect him to further reveal his will to us? If I'm going to understand God's will for my life, I need to get close to God. If I'm going to understand God's will for my life, I need to surrender my will. If I'm going to understand God's will for my life, I need to be obedient to the things that He's already told me that I need to do. If I'm going to understand God's will for my life, number four, I need to seek godly input. I need to seek godly input. God created us to be communal, to be relational. He created us to have fellowship with one another. He designed us to learn from one another. Proverbs eleven fourteen tells us where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. But who do I seek that counsel from? I'm seeking it from godly people. The warning in, 16, in Proverbs 16.22 is, Understanding is the wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but instruct, instruction of fools is folly. We need to seek godly input from God's people. Our natural desire is to surround ourselves with people that make us feel good. People that stroke our ego. I like people that talk me up. People that tell us what we want to hear. That's why we love social media. I'm not here to bag social media tonight, but social media is an echo chamber. You only get out of it what you put in. And if we're not careful, our friendship circles become the exact same thing. What I put in is what I get out. It's healthy to have people in your life that challenge you. It's healthy to have people in your life that tell you when you're wrong. We don't like that. Like Andrew said this morning, surely there's a gray area there. Two plus two isn't always four, is it? If you're wrong, you're wrong. And when someone tells you you're wrong, deal with it and move on. It's healthy to have those relationships. It's healthy to have people in your life that will pull you up when you're not living in a godly manner. 
Hebrews 10.24, Pastor talked about this last week, and we've been going through it in our Bible study on Sunday. And let us consider, that word consider there is more than just this casual knowledge of one another. It's a detailed knowledge. Let us consider one another. Let us know each other in such detail that when you're going off track, that I can speak into your life. When I'm going off track, you know me well enough to go, Phil, I need to sit down and have a chat with you. To provoke unto love and good works. We need to know each other well enough that we're provoking unto love and good works. If I want to know God's will for me, for my life, I need to surround myself with people that are going to speak to me in such a manner that my heart is drawn to God. Not that feed my ego. Sometimes understanding God's will for you comes through truth that comes from other people. Sometimes God allows that truth that you need to come through other people. Let me give you one last one this evening. If you want to understand God's will for you, for your life, use the gifts and the skills that God gave you to glorify God and edify the body. If you want to understand where God is taking you, if you want to understand God's will for your life, use the gifts and the skills that He has already given you to edify the body, and to glorify God. Because He gave you those things for that purpose. God created you to fill a specific role of glorification and edification. He created you as an individual for a specific role of glorification and edification. There's no one else that can completely achieve what God created you to do. Think about that for a moment. You're not just here in church as a bench warmer. You have a specific role of glorification and edification within this body. That should excite us. That should encourage us. That should drive us forward because I have a purpose within this. I'm not just showing up on Sunday or Sunday night or Wednesday. I'm part of something much bigger than me. And I have a purpose within this. And within that purpose, I glorify God and I edify other people. Often we think of our gifts as something mystical, some sort of God-given superpower, yeah? Like, tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I got saved, and today I can play the guitar. It wouldn't matter how many times I got saved and how many times I woke up, I cannot play the guitar. I'll tell you right now, I have not got a musical bone in my body. That's not my gift, or maybe, you know, maybe we think that, hey, if I just get this fantastic job, suddenly I'll, I'll have the, the gift of giving. 
Or maybe if I have a big house, I'll have the gift of hospitality. In my experience, that's not how it works. In my experience, the gifts that you have are things that come naturally to you. And God asks us to use those things to glorify Him and to edify the body. Some of you here are gifted musicians. And we've heard many of them tonight. There's others of you here that are gifted musicians. Are you using those gifts to glorify God and edify the body? Or are you hiding them away? Are you using them for another purpose? Some of you are gifted teachers and have the ability to speak and to clearly articulate the Word of God. But maybe you're using an excuse of fear or an excuse of, I don't have time to study or whatever it is. That gift that you have is meant to be used to glorify God and edify the body. Some of you have gifts of encouragement. Or maybe yours is hospitality. Maybe your gift is with finances or with organizing and coordinating things. Are you using those gifts to glorify God and edify the body? Or are you using those gifts just to prop yourself up for financial benefit, for social status, whatever it might be? Whatever those gifts, whatever those skills are that you have, you have them so that you can glorify God and edify the body. God created you to fill a specific role of glorification and edification. When we seek to discover God's will, We should look closely at how he has gifted us, at the skills that he has given you, and at those gifts that you have that can better glorify God. God didn't give you those gifts for your own purposes. He didn't give you those gifts to look better or to make a better wage or to improve your social standing. He gave you those gifts so that you could Edify this body and glorify God. When you're looking to understand God's will for your life, don't neglect to use those gifts and skills. I think sometimes it's when we use those gifts and those skills that we begin to see where it is that God wants us to be. So maybe tonight we'll close... I'll make a couple statements and then maybe we'll just spend a couple minutes in prayer. Where does this leave us? Above finding out what God's will for us is, our desire should be to glorify Him in all things. Above me finding out what God's will for me is, I should be desiring and I should be actively glorifying Him in everything that I do. To glorify God, I need to draw close to God. And as I draw close to God, He begins to reveal His will in me. As He reveals His will in me, I need to surrender my will and trust as He leads. 
The path will become more clear as I seek godly counsel and as I am faithfully using the gifts that he has given me to glorify him and edify the body. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment and just close your eyes. I'll ask you a couple of questions. Are you seeking to glorify God first in your life? The actions that you take each day when you get up in the morning is your first desire to glorify God, to draw close to God. Some days we have to surrender our will every day. What do you need to surrender to God? What is it that is holding you back? The gifts that you have, are you using them to glorify God? Are you using them to edify this body? Maybe just for the next couple minutes, I'd ask you just to pray. God, how can I glorify you better? God, how can I draw closer to you? God, what do I need to surrender to you?